Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. On today's podcast, we continue our series taking a look at the Falcons roster as they head into the 2021 season with the first preseason game being just uh, one day away from the point in time that we're recording this and the regular season being one month away. Uh, cannot wait to get to actual Falcons football. Today, we're going to dive into the linebackers and we're going to make some distinctions here but before we do that i'll introduce our guest on the podcast he is the editor-in-chief at the falcoholic the one and only dave Choate. thanks for dave thanks for jumping in with me let's talk about some linebackers guy linebackers linebackers um, <laughs> you know what's funny um we started we went through the entire offense and it felt like you know with each position group there was something really positive to talk about then we started defense with the defensive line, and it pretty much was like, hey, Grady's great, and then sort of went downhill from there. Um, the, def- the, the defensive uh, line is obviously terrible, but I feel like the linebackers may be the strongest uh, component of this defense um, with Deion Jones, Foye Aluakun, Michael Walker, who's going into his second year. Am I off base on this with you know what you see from this defense, or do you feel like this may be the strongest unit in what is arguably going to be a weak defense? So just to be clear, we're only talking about our inside linebackers, inside. not our outside linebackers, right? Those and, were part of the defensive line. Discussion. Yes, yes, absolutely, and that, I think that's the the distinction we have to make is that guys like Jacob Tuyoti Mariner, who used to have his hand in the dirt, is now lining up as an outside linebacker. Um, Stephen Means, Dante Fowler. We talked about all those guys as essentially being part of the defensive line because it is an important distinction, and it's validated by the first depth chart we saw. The Falcons' quote-unquote base defense is going to be a 3-4. So when we're talking about linebackers, we're talking about uh, the guys in the middle, so uh, the ones who won't necessarily be on the edge rushing the passer. So, yep, thanks for clarifying that. But, yes, we're talking about those, uh, those specific guys in the middle. Now that we've clarified that, yes, I, I think it's a true strength for the defense. I absolutely do. I think, you know, um, Aluakon getting that, um, you know, mic responsibility, whether or not he's, you know, sort of calling plays for the defense, um, I think is a responsibility that reflects really well on him. He had a good year last year, um, certainly lived up to my expectations for him as a player that will be interesting to see if they want to keep around long term. I have to think they probably do um but you know really good linebacker Deion jones obviously he's also very good with you know a a spectacular upside he's capable of things nobody else on this roster is capable of um and then michael walker a year ago was i thought terrific for a rookie really Mm -hmm. And, and every opportunity he had he excelled and i know he's shown up um you know a little bit bulkier noticeably so 
potentially he'll end up rushing the passer some too, which will be interesting. I think he can certainly do that. Um, so this is a, you know, a versatile, talented, athletic group of three guys. Um, and then beyond that, you know, Brandon Copeland, I know, is, is primarily working as an outside linebacker, but based on the notes that we've seen from Mike Rothstein at ESPN, based on some things Kevin Knight has told us here at the site, um, you know, Dorian Etheridge and Errol Thompson have both looked pretty solid for rookies. Um, yeah. And one of those guys is probably going to make the roster as well. So, you know, overall, um, even if you just had those top three, that's strong. There, there's not really a true weakness there. There's not a, a bad player you're having to carry as there is in so many other position groups on this roster right now. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I say that in the hopes that that will not be true, but it, it probably will be. Um, so, you know, just knowing that at least for this year, you've got three really good inside linebackers, um, guys who can do a lot of different things for you is, is really encouraging. So it's definitely one of the groups I feel best about. Yeah, I feel like that that clarification you made, we have to make it almost every year. Like, um, It's just statistically unlikely that every single young guy that you bring into camp, whether it's an undrafted guy or um, you know a guy that you drafted in later rounds, is going to work out. Like it, That is just not how the NFL works. In an ideal world, you would find you know a, a bunch of starters throughout the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds of the draft. And it, but you know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so you need the guys at the top of the roster to be quality players and then hope you hit occasionally on some of those undrafted guys and those late round guys. Uh, so like some of the names you mentioned. So I want to start with the first name uh, that you sort of referenced. And I, I feel like he has a bit of um, uh, reputation damage to sort of recover from. It seemed like the last couple years, uh, he did not live up necessarily to what his you know first few years in the league uh, indicated he could be, uh, especially his rookie year where he was just absolutely fantastic. Um, he is, I think, in my mind, the best coverage linebacker in the league. I don't think there's a linebacker that's faster than him. Um, he demonstrates, I think, game-changing speed when he is on the field. He is a guy that regularly matches up with Alvin Kamara and has shut him down on several occasions, uh, which is uh, quite the feat. Very few linebackers in the league have done that, uh, just to be clear. And yet he's done it a few times. And uh, I am talking about Deion Jones. He is 26 this year, so he's still incredibly young. Um, and last year, Dave, um, he had, uh, you know, one, inter or, I'm sorry, two interceptions for <laughs> 84 yards, which is just stunning. One for a touchdown. Four and a half sacks, which was his highest sack total of uh, his career by a long shot. And he was, I think, second in the team in sacks, um, it, which is uh, maybe more of an, an indictment of the rest of the defense than um, you know what he did in particular. Are you expecting him to have uh, sort of another big season like what he had last year? It felt like 2018, 2019 the you know he was starting to i don't want to say fall off but he didn't quite live up to i think the standard that we all had in our minds for him uh, but last year the two interceptions the sacks the tackles it really looked like he bounced back are you expecting the same or maybe even more from him under uh, new defensive defensive coordinator Dean Pease yeah i i think for sure and i think you know one of the things with Deion Jones is even like his worst season his season where he's banged up and injured um, is, is a great statistical season for most linebackers and, and certainly an indicator of just how much he can change a game 
with one big play. And I think in a DNP's defense where he might get the opportunity to rush the passer more often, certainly where his athleticism is going to be really appreciated, um, you know, a, as it was certainly under Dan Quinn and, and Raheem Morris, I don't want to pretend that, you know, they didn't know what they had with Deion Jones, but I, I think just the opportunity as a pass rusher alone is a big deal for him. And I think we all know that, you know, the caliber of talent he is and what he's capable of. And I think given the outsized role he's going to have in this defense, he's going to be an every down player. There's no question about that. Um, I'm expecting another big year and, and certainly at least in some ways um, specifically here, I am thinking of sacks, pressures and so forth. I think it might be one of his best years yet. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in this defense in particular. And I think it will help the Falcons determine if, you know, long-term they want to approach his contract or not. Um, certainly right. if he's capable of playing up to the level he can play to under DMPs, I think that's a good sign for him. Yeah. And again, still just 26 years old. Uh, and to be clear, he did restructure his contract this year. Uh, it, he reduced his salary this year, but it was an exchange for a fully guaranteed salary in 2021. So it looks like he'll be here through next year at minimum. Um, but it, it does, you know, bring up the question of the guy next to him, uh, Foya Lukan, who sort of had a, a big season uh, as well. And I think Foye was, I don't want to say it was uh, a surprise because I think he, he certainly deserved uh, all of the recognition he got. But just to you know, bring it back around, Foye was a six-round pick out of Yale. <laughs> that is not normally where you expect to find uh, your Mike linebacker. You, know, you think about these, the, the guys in the middle, uh, the guys who are going to be sort of the quarterback of the defense. Uh, you're thinking about schools like Alabama, uh, you know, maybe Georgia, you know, the, the, the big SEC schools is, and you don't think you're going to find a guy from Yale university and especially one who was sort of a multi-positional player. He started off as safety, um, which I think speaks to uh, his athleticism, but his first three years in the league, you know, his first year, I think he, he contributed some, uh, 2019, uh, with the injuries, he, he had several more opportunities and showed that he was growing into a capable player. But 2020, holy cow, uh, two interceptions, uh, four forced fumbles, which is just bonkers for a single linebacker to have in a single season, um, three sacks, uh, 117 tackles. This guy was nuts in 2020, and this is the last year of his contract. He is um, – uh, this will be the last – I'm sorry, is that true? Yes. Uh, 2021 will be – his fourth year, it'll be the last year of his contract. Um, what do you expect out of Foyer? And do you think that he needs to repeat a similar performance to see another uh, contract extension with the Falcons? Or do you think that he may be primed to go into free agency? It's a great question. And I, I think this year in so many ways, like, you know, I, the Falcons have indicated they want to win this year. But I also do view it as an evaluation year. Can you win with some of these players um, that maybe their contracts are coming up or their contracts you might want to approach in the offseason for a restructure of some kind? So I think with Aluacon, it's really a question of not can he, you know, sort of put up that monster season with like, say, the forced fumbles again, because that's probably unsustainable. But it's what is his fit on this defense and how does he look in 
really what's probably going to be an expanded leadership role with this team. And I, I think it's a great sign that they think that highly of him already. Like, you know, they inherited the linebacker group they have, but it's notable really like you look at this inside linebacker group and the Falcons went very lean this offseason. They added two undrafted free agents and Brandon Copeland and Copeland isn't even necessarily going to be a full-time player there. So when you look at that, I think it speaks volumes about what they think about the guys that they have, at least for the short term. And I think Aluakon, you know, from my perspective, if he has another quality year, he shows he's the kind of guy in the locker room that this team wants to build around. Um, and I, I think they'll definitely try to bring him back. And I think, you know, finances are going to be tricky for the next year or two still mm-hmm. for this Falcons team. I think we all know that, but I think they can definitely get that deal done if they want to. So I, I think it's really just making sure that he shows them that, you know, so long as he's healthy, that this wasn't just a one year blip. This is who he is. And this is the talent level that he has. And I think there's very little question that the talent level is what he has. So, I'm excited for him, you know, as you said, a former six round pick, you know, you don't necessarily expect guys like Alua Khan and, and Russell Gage on the other side of the ball to grow into major contributors. And the fact that they have is, is one of the things that Dimitrov deserves a hat tip for, um, Absolutely. you know, even if, even if there's not a lot of other things that people <laughs> want to give him credit for right now, which I understand. So, um, yeah, but I, I'm excited for his, his year too. I think the two of them, Deion Jones and Alua Khan are going to be terrific. Yeah, this to me the the growth of Foyer um, from 2019 to 2020 was so substantial. Uh, he contributed um, everywhere uh, that you want a linebacker to. You know, he had you know two interceptions um, for 65 yards. I mentioned the four forced fumbles. I think three of them came in one game, but that's a, that's that's a takeaway at all from what he uh, was doing on that side of the ball. Um, you know, the, the three sacks, which I think is something I want to talk about when we get into the second half of the podcast and how these guys are going to factor into the pass rush this year and, and why that may be necessary. Uh, but it, Foyer, it, I think, was one of the pleasant surprises in a disastrous 2020 um, because uh, there wasn't a lot of great performances on the defense. Grady Jarrett continued to be, you know, Grady Jarrett. Um, but you saw a bunch of guys that sort of, uh, fell off, you know, guys like Ricardo Allen, who, you know, just didn't live up to the billing um, of a starting free safety anymore. And then, you know, you lose players that, um, you know, between the offseason with guys like, you know, Keanu Neal and um, uh, KZ, who both went to Dallas. This was, uh, I think, one of the bright spots for the defense. And uh, Deion Jones sort of returning to form after Dan Quinn. I, and I do want to point that out as well. It seemed like a, a fire was lit under Dion after um, Dan Quinn was gone when, uh, and that's the credit to uh, Raheem Morris when he took over. I think he, he finally got these guys playing at a, a much better level um, than they were under Dan Quinn. And that includes Deion Jones. Uh, but these two guys as starters, I feel like are uh, a, a quality, quality duo. And, as you noted, Dave, uh, Foyer is starting at middle linebacker this year, um, and um, Deion Jones moves to the wheel. And a lot of people feel like that was uh, something that was holding them back as well. And then that, you know, Foyer was a better fit at the mic, and that uh, really having Deion Jones at that wheel linebacker gives him the freedom to do what he does best, and that's roam around the field and, and go after, you know, the tight ends and the running backs and not have to worry about all the assignments um, that the mic is going to be responsible for. 
Um, so with that, I want to talk about Michael Walker. I want to talk about how these guys are going to be used this year. That may be a little bit different uh, from what we saw under Dan Quinn. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm doing, I'm joined by, I'm struggling with English language today. I am joined by Dave Choate, the editor-in-chief at the Falcoholic. We're talking about the linebackers going into the 2021 season uh, we've talked about the two starters at the top. And Dave, I want to get your thoughts on Michael Walker because uh, let's be honest, the 2020 season was rough for rookies. And, you know, we look across the board, uh, AJ Terrell, who I feel like had a, a great season for a rookie corner. Uh, Matt Hennessy was, you know, quite bad and, and is probably going to be our starting center. And a lot of that just came down to the fact that these guys did not have a proper rookie training camp. They didn't have a normal, um, off-season regiment. Uh, they didn't even have preseason games with which to sort of get their legs up to speed. They were just sort of thrown into the fire with, you know, shortened camp, virtual camps with Zoom meetings, uh, arguably, you know, one of the worst ways to come into the league. And yet, Michael Walker, uh, according to PFF, was one of our better defenders. He didn't get a, a ton of snaps. He didn't, you know, he wasn't playing every single down. But as you mentioned, when he did play, he was playing fairly well. And again, for a rookie who was taken in the later rounds, um, this feels like yet another player where maybe there's something there in the same way, you know, when we started seeing flashes from foyer, you know, three years ago, uh, do you feel like we're seeing something similar with Walker? Are you optimistic about his long-term potential? Uh, especially now that you've got a veteran defensive coordinator like Dean Pease coming in and mentoring him. Absolutely. Um, you know, I look at Walker and I, I see a really good young linebacker, like full stop, no qualifications. Obviously, he played like a third of the defensive snaps, almost half of the special team snaps a year ago. So we got enough of a look at him to think, you know, our, 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 boy, stalled out there. Um, but our impressions of him are probably fair. And, and I think, you know, you never know when a player adds a, a decent amount of weight, how they're going to fare. But I, I think it really is a reflection of with Walker. They just want to build on the physicality he has. You know, he missed very few tackles a year ago. Um, certainly he was a solid enough pass rusher, just a fundamentally sound, well-rounded player. And I, I think sort of the question here is like with Aluakon, are they going to bring him back? Well, 
that may depend to some extent on what Michael Walker looks like this year, because uh, I, I do think he has enough upside to be a starter for this defense. And I think, you know, he was something like a hundredth in the league last year in terms of actual blitz opportunities. I, you know, he did a little bit of pass rushing in college. I think he's a solid enough guy in coverage. So I'm expecting Dean Pease to kind of explore using him a little bit differently um, in, in more varied ways than certainly he was used last year. And I think he'll respond well to that. So I, I'm excited to see. I don't, I don't think he's suddenly going to become a full-time starter unless there's an injury or anything like that. But I think he will build in small but important ways on last year. Yeah. Um, for reference, I've pulled up his PFF stats. Um, now, granted, this is 387 total snaps that he had in 2020. Um, compare that to Deion Jones, who had 1,040. So he played about one-third the number of snaps uh, that Deion Jones played. But Michael Walker was our second highest rated defender in 2020. He had a 74.0, uh, which was second only to Grady Jarrett, who was 80.2. And I did not expect this, but Michael Walker's coverage grade was 90.7 as a rookie. Um, incredible. Uh, and it, it, a lot of the people are going to say, ah, it's PFF. You know, uh, to me, PFF is, is just one tool in the toolbox with which to evaluate these guys. Uh, so you take it with a grain of salt. I, I do think that, you know, that is not necessarily indicative of the kind of player he's going to be long-term. I don't know that we, you know, that he is going to be a great coverage linebacker that remains to be seen. Um, but for, again, for him to have that kind of rookie season after a limited off season, after all the challenges, I think is incredibly promising. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, he could be a factor in determining the, whether or not the two guys ahead of him both have long-term contracts uh, for the Falcons and his development could be critical in, you know, sort of the reconstruction of this roster uh, going forward. He's going to be 24 years old this year. So he, he is also still uh, very young. Uh, and again, a fourth round selection. So uh, potentially another steal in the mid rounds, uh, a leftover from the uh, last year of Thomas Dimitrov, uh, which honestly, you know, if we look at what he's done uh, this there are some good signs uh, that that draft class could end up being a pretty strong one, especially from a depth standpoint. Um, but with that said, Dave, one of the things that we've heard uh, coming in about this Dean P's defense um, and that uh, when I've gone back and watched some of the uh, Titans games uh, from 2019, uh, when he was last there as defensive coordinator, um, he uses everybody to try to go after uh, the quarterback. Now, I, I feel like some people are mistaking that to say, oh, he likes to blitz a lot. I don't, it's not that he was sending five guys or more all the time. It's that he would drop line. Uh, this is going to make some, this is going to trigger some people. He would drop uh, guys into coverage and uh, send a safety or send a corner. Um, he tried to bring his pass rushers from all over the field. And I feel like with this linebacking crew in particular, with the speed, with the athleticism, this could actually be uh, a really big year for all of them uh, because Pease is very likely to sort of use them in those sets where they're going to be rushing the passer unexpectedly and, and using their speed to their advantage. Is this something where you feel like uh, they may actually have another element to their game? And this is for all of the linebackers, not just you know one or two of them. 
Uh, do you feel like this is something where there may be a new edge to the Falcons defense and that this linebacking core may be sort of key to the pass rush, which we know may not be coming from the defensive line this year? Yeah, I certainly think that's a possibility, and and I won't hear anybody speak badly about dropping guys into coverage. It worked really well with Croy Beerman for years, and people are will come around on that take. It's just a matter of time. Um, but I, I do think that you know Pease is going to use his linebackers, as you said, to rush the passer. He kind of has to, mm-hmm. and I think what bodes really well for the Falcons is that they at least have you know some decent space eaters up front. They have some, some players who at least can occupy blockers. Like I'm, I'm trying to be kind here. Um, but you know, when you, when you look at it, you know, you have three linebackers who I think are, are very quick, very athletic, um, very good instinctual players who absolutely can get after the quarterback. Deion Jones showed it in, you know, limited opportunities a year ago, what he can do when he's asked to. Um, so I think that adds a whole new element to the team for sure, especially because I don't think you can necessarily count even on your outside linebacker group being a significant source of pressure. I I think they will use these guys. Uh, I don't want to say more creatively, but certainly more in that vein. And I think it's going to be a plus for the defense, even if I don't know, you know, I'm not expecting all of a sudden Deion Jones to be among the league leaders in, in blitzes or anything like that. But I, I think any increase that gives these guys a shot is a good thing. Yeah. And again, between Dion and Foyer alone last year, they had seven and a half sacks, which would be uh, a, a good season from uh, a regular pass rusher. And I think, you know, we've seen Dion do it in the past. And for some reason, Dan Quinn just didn't see fit to use those guys in that way. And it really wasn't until Raheem Morris took over last year uh, that we started seeing more blitzing. We started seeing a little bit more creativity in how they tried to get after the passer. So I actually feel like if you want to get a feel for what uh, this defense is going to look like in 2021, it will not be a, a perfect example but look at what the Falcons did with the linebackers and the safeties um, after Dan Quinn was gone. They, you know, Raheem Morris and uh, Jeff Ulbrich really, I think, just were they were throwing everything in the kitchen sink at trying to get some pressure on the opposing quarterback, and it worked periodically. Obviously, it was way inconsistent, um, but it was something where they they made improvements, and those guys came out with almost eight sacks between them. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be even higher in 2021 uh, and add Michael Walker to the mix. Um, as you mentioned, we've heard in camp that, you know, they're using him in that capacity already. So uh, this is a very interesting group uh, to pay attention to. So, David, I, I know we've got some undrafted guys, uh, some guys like Emmanuel Ellerby, Dorian Etheridge, Enrol Thompson uh, that have also come into this position. Are there any names you think we should pay attention to at this or uh, are we just going to wait to see what they do in these preseason games to try to create some distinction amongst them? I think it's that, you know, I, I again, I've seen um, some praise for Etheridge in particular from reporters who are at camp. So he's going to be a guy I'll be interested in watching, but um, having, you know, not been at flowery branch this year, having not seen either of those guys very much, certainly pre-draft and post-draft, I'd like to see what they do in preseason. Um, certainly it's encouraging that they're standing out at all um, in training camp, but we'll see if it translates into the preseason and, and who ends up staying. Like certainly 
from my perspective, Ellerby is a player who, you know, has bounced around quite a bit. So if he ends up winning that job, it's going to be, I think, because Etheridge and, oh God, I've already forgotten his Errol name. Thompson. Thank you. I'm so sorry, Errol Thompson. I will get your <laughs> name right. Um, but if one of those guys really falls flat in preseason or both of them, then LRB is, you know, probably a perfectly fine fourth linebacker for this group, knowing you're chiefly going to use just the three and you'd probably sign another guy if an injury cropped up. But I would like to, you know, potentially have an undrafted free agent who has some upside and gets to learn on the job for a year. So mm-hmm. I'll be rooting for Thompson and Etheridge to get that, but I, I don't have any strong opinions really to share on either of them at this point. Yeah. I think uh, we don't have a standout like uh, Paul Worley will, uh, uh, Paul Worley, Paul or Joplo Bartu for that matter. Um, so I, I feel like I messed his name up. I'm not certain. Um, all right. So <laughs> with that Dave, any final thoughts on these linebackers? Do you, again, we, we sort of agree that this is one of the stronger position groups for the Falcons defense. Um, but are your expectations, you know, league-wide, uh, do you think they're going to compare to some of the better linebacking groups in the league, or uh, should we keep our expectations sort of uh, minimalized because the rest of the unit around them isn't quite as strong? I think, you know, this is going to be absolutely a team strength. I think this is going to be maybe the strength of the defense um, because there just are fewer question marks in the, at least those top three linebackers than any other group. And I think if you look at, as you said, sort of the weakness around them, the potential unknowns around them, um, this is going to be, if the Falcons are going to have a good defense this year, really the core that they're building that good defense around. So, I mean, my, my final thoughts on the linebacker group would be they're good. And I, I feel good being able to say that, you know, without any <laughs> hint of reservation or if this thing breaks right and this thing breaks right, which you have to say almost across the roster otherwise. So um, definitely yeah. feeling positive about the group. Excellent. All right. Uh, so with that, Dave, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on? but only if you want to, <laughs> if I could find my mute button, um, <laughs> good Lord. Uh, it's a Thursday afternoon folks. So, um, don't, don't blame DW for my lapses. This is my fault. Um, so we are at the Falcoholic, as you might expect. Um, our big thing is going to be really just watching the preseason game tomorrow night. Obviously some people will take away if they look terrible, they lose like that's a bad sign. If they look great and they win, that's a great sign. I would worry less about that. Certainly, we're going to be focusing on how these position battles appear to shake out, where yep. Willie Beavers ends up the most exciting name in Falcons fandom right now. Um, and then some interesting stuff over the next few days um, in terms of, you know, breaking down, I think, Calvin Ridley. Um, Will McFadden's got a cool piece on AJ Terrell coming up. We're going to look more closely at the punter job, which I think is, is too real unknowns and and certainly there's probably a little bit of anxiety if anybody thinks about punter with off richter being on ir yeah so yeah a lot of interesting things and then next week brings the secret base and sb nation history of the atlanta falcons documentary which i'm both dreading and looking forward to watching so um, (laughs) certainly certainly be watching that with everybody else it should be a good time absolutely uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily 
at thefalcoholic.com. So for Dave Choate, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.